Hey there, and welcome to Shadow Facts. That's facts as in horse treat-sized pieces of information, a podcast about Lord of the Rings. But only the horse parts. I'm Joey. And I'm Caitlin. And And this this is is our oath. oath. We vow to discuss every horse mentioned or visible in both the Lord of the Rings books and film adaptations, and we do mean every. We vow to rank every horse seen above. We vow to rewrite one of Tolkien's songs per episode to be about horses, live on the pod. And we vow to answer the call of Gondor when the beacon is lit. By which we, of course, mean answer your questions about Lord of the Rings horses to the best of our ability. For Shadow Facts, episode seven. Episode seven. We survived episode six, which you will have heard by by this point, the monster episode. Yeah. Undaunted. And we are back with more horses. More horses. I thought Uh, that was it. I thought we were done with horses, but apparently there's more of them. No, there, you know, so many horses. I think, so for this episode, we are, we're covering, uh... Minute marker 20130 to 310.14 in the two towers. Um, or right, which is minute marker disc. 15 on the nose through 123.43 if you are on the second disc of the DVDs. Yes. And then book-wise, chapter 6, that's Helm's it. Deep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we get part of the battle in the film and sort of almost all of the battle in the book and also other stuff in the film because this is you know the life we're living right now where everything <laughs> is interspersed yeah so our our first oath is that we have to discuss every horse so what what's your where do we oh, sorry where... So we get horses. So we start we start this segment of the movie by my minute markers at 15 on the nose and we get our first horse at 15 minutes and 1 second. Yes, which is um, great. We see Garolf and McGillowen, both horses that we've met before. Garolf is um as a reminder, the horse that the two kids um were riding, the big seal and... brown. Yes. And who's maybe just a dark bay? Um, <laughs> our, that's our deepest secret. Is we don't we don't know what seal brown means. Um, but we've talked about that too much in the last two episodes, so we're moving on. And McGillowen was Aowen's horse, um, which Aowen is kind of walking on her own, and but you can see her horse being led by someone else in the background. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, 
And we've already talked about those horses. So like they do not great. count. Yeah. Technically, technically speaking, from an oath standpoint, we have no interest in them right now. Yeah. I mean, we always have an interest in every horse. Um especially 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 classics like Geralt and McGillowin. Yeah, they're still looking great. They're they're doing good. We love them. Um, For both Geralt and McGillowin, it's a classic example of has a star, comma is a star. True. Very true. And then right away in the next couple of seconds, we see more horses. Yes, and these are probably these are the most difficult horses. Yeah, we get to the next about. the next two scenes that we see horses in, we see horses in these very far away kind of sweeping aerial shots of Helm's Deep. Yeah. So there's not a lot of detail to be had here, but we will we will go over these crumbs nonetheless because that is who we are. Yeah. They are like absurdly distant. Um, we also had we had a big long conversation. We really got sidetracked about whether or not we thought these were real um, live filmed horses or CG horses. Yeah, we think that so the the first three we're gonna discuss are kind of on like the causeway leading into Helm's Deep, and it's like stone, and there's a drop off on either side, and and the horse in the middle of that causeway doesn't even have a person like right next leading to it leading it. it. So we're thinking, like, there's no way that's a real horse because, like, I wouldn't put a horse on, like, a narrow stone bridge without a person right next to it. Yeah, and they look in some um, way that I at least find difficult to articulate. They look slightly off from their surroundings. Yeah. Um, Again, this is a really far away shot. They're on screen for, like, maybe three or four seconds i would say um so we, we're really we're like delving too deep already but yes there are three horses on the causeway yes in order um and all of these horses are unsaddled mm-hmm. uh in order at the top of the causeway there's a light roan horse we're thinking maybe a strawberry roan mm-hmm. uh, behind that there is a chestnut yes and i wrote down that it had darkish legs <sighs> yes great detail uh-huh. here really uh-huh. delve in the and then lastly uh, and this one is kind of weird yeah. there's a chestnut with it looks to be a fully white face normally when we say like a white face or a bald face um that is either like a completely white horse or it's a marking that covers part of their face yeah it's but it's often like to extend... a lot of its face but not the ears and yeah this one the ears are also white yeah, it's weird. It almost looks like, to me, it almost looked like it was wearing, like, a, a white fabric fly mask or something. Yeah, honestly, I'm inclined to think that it is, and that they just didn't catch that because it's such a distant shot. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, I, I I think it's a CG horse, and someone was just like, yeah, this, like, horses can have white ears. Uh, like, I mean, I'm a yeah, designer. that's possible, too. Okay, so yeah. those three horses, do we want to name yeah, those yeah. before we move on to the other yeah, horses let's... in this shot? Let's do it. Um, I have a question. Have we named a horse Strawberry yet? I want to say yes, but I don't think it's true. I think we named a horse Apple last episode. Yeah, I... No, we may have named a horse Strawberry. I was going to say, like, Shortcake or Honeycake or something, because... 
that feels yeah. like it implies strawberry without saying it outright. Let's call it honey cake because it just, that feels like a very Lord of the Rings food to have it a does, nice doesn't little it? honey cake. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cute. Okay. Honey cake. Um, the middle chestnut. Uh-huh. Man, I love to name 13 million chestnut horses. <laughs> They're all just, all of which the only detail that we can provide is chestnut. Yeah. Um, <sighs> great. Uh, let's name it Brave because it's in the middle of a causeway on its own. Yeah. It, it's leading itself, you know? Yeah. Brave. And the last one with the white ears. Uh, I'm trying to think of something that implies, like, weirdly designed horse without being a bat. Like... <laughs> Like, you know, like, like designer dog breeds, like there are those designer breeds. I, oh you yeah, know, but I don't know. The only word I can think of is gourmet and that's Te- not what I want. <laughs> <laughs> Joey, we have to name this horse gourmet. <laughs> okay. I'm writing it in. I don't that's care what fine. you say. <laughs> I know this is usually collaborative, but I'm putting my foot down. That horse is gourmet. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Uh okay. Great. Great. We're we're doing good. Uh oh man, because we were already sleepy. You got you gotta perk up. We got more horses. Yeah. So that causeway is like kind of cutting horizontally across the screen from left to right, and then like helm steep is on mm-hmm. the right, kind of at an angle. And above the main helm steep there's like a camp within the walls but like on ground you see tents and in that camp there are yes it's behind yes it's behind the deeping wall yes (laughs) and in that camp there are eight horses four and four and they are standing facing each other yeah it's it's like a picket line yeah so starting and these are um even farther away than the horses on the causeway so far away like they're really just little lines of color yeah a lot of a lot of it's generous it felt like especially because the way that we did um our horse dissertation work this time is we like watched it individually and then you screen share yes like streamed it to me so that we could be on the same um looking at the same thing at the same time and so i was looking at like three pixels and being like oh yes this horse is obviously yeah Uh uh-huh so a lot of this is interpretive but let's start Let's start at the, like, top right corner of that picket line and work our way down. Um, Okay, so our first horse, we think, is a liver chestnut. Our second horse is... Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. We've Mm -hmm. talked... Have we talked about liver chestnuts before? I don't know. It's basically, like, a a muddier brown slash... Sometimes they can look almost maroon, although I tend to think of them as like a cooler brown usually but they're like all all one color for the most part unlike a bay that has that contrasting mane and tail yeah yeah and it's yes cool brown is a good way to put it it's a very like reddish purplish brown um they're very they're very interesting we'll post a picture of yeah not that liver chestnut <laughs> nope. um, but a liver chestnut, a liver chestnut. when the episode yeah so we have yeah, number up. 1 liver chestnut number 2 um a very red chestnut or 
maybe a blood bay because honestly we cannot see it well enough to see its mane and tail but either way it's a very red horse it's super red this is also where we fell into a conversation of uh like chestnut versus sorrel oh yeah which we have done um, before we did that I in like episode two have... or something I know. I just think it's inter- I just think it's interesting because so much of like horse terminology is like one source says the difference is thing A, another source says the difference is thing B, and then source C is like actually it's just a regional dialect difference. Yeah. So I was very insistent that this horse was a sorrel because in my mind a sorrel is a very red horse like that, and we looked it up and it's like sorrel is pretty much the like linguistic distinction like. Um, in America, chestnuts are more frequently referred to as sorrels, especially if it's Western writing. Yeah. But in Europe and in, like, dressage, um, writing traditions, they're called chestnuts. So nothing means anything. It's just the same, same horse colors. There's a whole range and you just can use either word. Um, but it's, it's really red. It's a really red horse. It's very red. Um, the third horse is a blackish horse. Um, Mm -hmm. Dark. Dark, possibly all the way black or mostly black, but, you know, dark. Um, Number four is a bay. Classic. Um, And then we start back up at the top on the kind of left row. Number five is also a bay. Number six is a cool brown lighter horse. It's a cool brown horse with a lighter, with a lighter mane and tail. Oh, I, I didn't finish that note. I guess. Yeah, which I have abbreviated as M plus T. Yes. Um, which we thought also might be liver chestnut E. It has that same Yes. Same kind of um darker, cooler um kind of tone to it. Mm-hmm. Just with um yeah, because chestnuts can have like more of a flaxen mane and tail. And so I don't think it's like flaxen flaxen, but like kind of No trending that direction of like the mane and tail being a little lighter than the rest of it um and then number seven is a dark bay and number eight is a just a regular bay just a regular just a good old-fashioned standard bay i have a question are we gonna name these horses as a group or does that feel like cheating because we can i don't i you know i don't know this is the thing i am torn about in our own podcast because we have named horses by groups in the past which i think is a thing that is necessary sometimes mm-hmm. um because we have not that many horses this episode i am inclined to name them individually oh. yeah no i think you're right i think if if we could not distinguish like if we could not clearly count them that well or like keep them separate i would say we have to name them as a group like in that other that scene coming up the sh- we have but, a shot coming up yeah which i would describe shot, like we can't even though they're far away we can clearly see that there are eight horses and they have eight you know mm-hmm. colors and yeah so i think we do have to name them okay okay um liver chestnut number 1 yes that's your um, cue to name this horse. <laughs> oh, thank you. Liver. What if we name the two liver um, chestnuts liver and, liver onions. and onions? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so the first one can be liver. Yes. And the second one will be onions. We'll come back to that. Um, next is the incredibly red chestnut. Oh, yeah. 
the blood bay or slash blood bay. Um, I mean, we have some obvious like scarlet or crimson, or what about ginger snap? Ginger snap. I would argue that since we've already named a horse, ginger honey snaps cake. are not especially red, and that's a better name for just a regular chestnut. But no, that's a good point. I just what if I was, okay you compared it by the pastry names to like a shrimp or a lobster or something I said, yeah i said it was i can't i think i said it was a shrimp what if we name it shrimp perfect we got liver shrimp <laughs> and onions so far onions plural because it is oh, yeah. liver and onions yeah, like frank and beans you know like frank and beans um okay, okay. liver shrimp this dark blackish horse um should we stick with the food theme what's oh what's a a nice black food a squid ink pasta (laughs) (laughs) okay (laughs) we could call it sip for short um oh yeah like sip um yeah or i mean anything like you know i'm just thinking about charcoal but like anything charred yeah or grilled or you know burnt (laughs) burnt toast (laughs) this is i mean this is like a temporal bias but it's hard to imagine anything cuisine wise from little from middle earth which is like intentionally charred and not just like yeah we cook everything on a fire so it's fucking burnt here you go here's your fucking stew Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um oh what about truffle like a like a black truffle oh that's good truffle is perfect that's that's a that's a shire food, I bet. This is, this is, these are fancy, these are fancy foods. Yeah, okay. Okay. Bay, the bay. number four, the bay. Um, What if we, because it's like brown, brown with darker spots, what if we named it bool, like a nice loaf of bread? Oh, yeah, I was thinking about bread and I couldn't think of a nicer bread word than bread. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, that's it. That's the thing. Baby. We did name previous horses after, like, I don't know, pumpernickel Toast. and rye and things, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. cool. Okay, and then five is okay, another Okay, now we're back bay. up at the top of the other row. Yes. Um, which is another bay. Um, what yes. if it's baguette? What if we have boule and baguette? <laughs> that's so cute. Oh, my God. Okay, great. Someone should give me Next a is... horse so I can give it a great name, like IRL. Please give Please Fuck. give me a real horse. Not just so I we, can name it, also so I can ride it we're and gonna love it crowd, and have we're a gonna, horse again. Yeah, ride it and love it. Yes, we're going to crowdfund a horse <laughs> for Shadow Facts, the podcast, after this, and we're going to name it one compound name, which is every name from <laughs> oh the Oh my podcast. god. <laughs> okay, and then we have okay, number six, after, which was the maybe liver chestnut, onions. which is onions. Yes. Yes. Um... And then a dark bay, and then another Ooh. bay. Um, we can name the dark bay well done. <laughs> oh. I feel like that's that's food themed, but not an actual food, yeah, which no, does kind of break the. Um, let's this, name the it names this episode are st- Stroganoff. You you set us down this path of naming that horse gourmet. <laughs> Stroganoff. Great. Okay, and then um, this and last then bay, I'm departing from... <gasps> oh, Wait, oh! What? what? Oh, do you have an idea? Yes, but I want to hear yours. I was going to say, it's it's a bay, so it's 
it's dark. It's um, we could name it fond, like the dark bits at the bottom of the pan after you brown something, which are delicious. Oh, okay, we could absolutely do that. I just I was gonna depart from its color and name it parsley because it's the the final garnish. Oh, that's really cute. And also, too. parsley is just a really cute name. What if we name this horse parsley fond? Yeah, great. fond of parsley. Ah, parsley fond, beautiful. Great. Okay, so we have liver, shrimp, truffle, boule, baguette, onion, stroganoff, parsley fond. Mm-hmm. Great. Okay. Um, we also, I just want yeah. to shout out, um, in, there's a lot of AON in these scenes, and it's like, I think I yeah. referred to her as functional AON, not as in she's functioning, but she has a functional aesthetic happening that is yeah. a good look for her. Every look is yeah, a good she's look wearing... for her, I think. But yeah, I was just I was digging it. She has kind of the multi-layered dress, and um, when they arrive at Helm's Deep, she has her hair pinned back into these little wings at her mm-hmm. temples, which are like very um, they're they're just very endearing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good. It's good. So. About a minute later, at 1618, we get yet another um, far-off shot of... Oh, no, no, no. no sorry, no, sorry. No, this no. is this Wait. is the procession. Yes, but before we do the proce- procession, I'd actually like to jump over to the book. Because yeah, we have some horse because references people are kind of before... Just starting to arrive yeah. at Helm's Deep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, when we left off in the book, I think we actually... we kind of cheated last time we decided we were going to leave chapter six for this um this session but we did mention um one of the early horse quotes in this chapter because it's a very cool one about shadow facts flying like an arrow from the bow oh yeah because we had that scene of him leaving the stable which is kind of the equivalent the movie equivalent um yeah so so our our four they're that our first horse reference in wait we've been saying chapter six it's chapter seven huh yeah roman numerals huh <laughs> we I are said not qualified to make a podcast said six mine doesn't have roman numerals it says seven i just knew the name uh, mine of has roman numerals okay anyways um yeah the first one is that it says the host rode on need drove them Fearing to come too late, they rode with all the speed they could, pausing seldom. Swift and enduring were the steeds of Rohan, but there were many leagues to go. Yeah. Yep. So this is, what what is happening is uh, Theoden and his, like, army have ridden out from Edoras, like, expecting a fight. Yes. And as they ride out from Edoras, they are slowly beginning to find that the situation is... Worse than they thought it was. Yes. Um, they can, like, they know that orcs have been attacking in various places, but as they're riding, like, they they see kind of like a darkness and shadow approaching from the distance. Um, and, like, Legolas looks at it to see, and he says that, like, there are shapes in it, but he can't tell because there's, like, a veiling shadow that some power lays upon the land. Mm-hmm. And then there's like a storm coming and it's, it's 
rough. It's a rough time. Um, yeah, this 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 chapter is quite tense. Yeah. So they they get their first kind of spot of bad news. In the last red glow, men in the vanguard saw a black speck, a horseman riding back toward them. They halted, awaiting him. He came, a weary man with dented helm and cloven shield. Slowly he climbed from his horse and stood there a while, gasping. At length he spoke. Is Eomer here? he asked. You come at last, but too late and with too little strength. Things have gone evilly since Theodrid fell. We were driven back yesterday over the ice and with great loss. Many perished at the crossing. Then at night, fresh forces came over the river against our camp. All Isengard must be emptied, and Saruman has armed the wild hillmen and herd folk of Dunland beyond the rivers. And there also he loosed upon us. We were overmastered. The shield wall was broken. Urken Brand of Westfeld has drawn off these men he could gather towards his fastness in Helm's Deep. The rest are scattered. Where is Eomer? Yeah. Tell him there is no hope ahead. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. Um, it says Theoden um, urged his horse forward and and they have, it's it's a sweet moment because like this guy has assumed, it. like he's asking for Eomer because he thinks Theoden is, you know, hidden away in Meduseld. And when he sees that Theoden is like, actually like out and commanding the man's face lightened with joy and wonder yeah um and then at this at this bad news is when gandalf realizes he needs to um kind of attend to his own business yeah also theoden says give this man a fresh horse let us ride to the help of urkenbrand i love Love to get a fresh horse. Yeah. Love to get a fresh horse with the boys. Yes. But yeah, Gandalf um, says, like, ride to Helm's Deep. Don't go to the Fords of Isen and don't tarry. Go there. Shadowfax must bear me now on a swift errand. And then it's like, await me at Helm's Gate. Farewell. And speaks a word to Shadowfax. <laughs> and then it's that quote we read last episode. And they go. And I, I love this moment right after that. Um one of the guards says to Hama, like, what does that mean? And Hama says that Gandalf Greyhame has need of haste. Ever he goes and comes unlooked for. And then the first guard says, Wormtongue, were he here, would not find it hard to explain. As in, like, probably Gandalf is up to no good. And yeah. um, and then Hama says, true enough, said Hama, but for myself, I will wait until I see Gandalf again. Um, And I just, we talked in our last episode about Hama sort of disobeying orders and letting Gandalf keep his staff because he like trusts yeah. his own instincts. Trust him. And and right. we see more of more of that here. And it's nice. Yeah. Let's see. So they ride on mm-hmm. for Helm's Deep. Mm-hmm. And there's a description of Helm's Deep itself, um, the Hornburg, the kind of cliffs and, and hills surrounding it. And also and this is important in the book, but not really um in the movies before like the castle proper there's a dike that they can use as a last line of defense because it would force people into like a funnel and so it's a it's a defensible Mm -hmm. point if they can hold it Mm -hmm. yeah um there's also there's this line Theoden asks has aught been seen of Gandalf and is answered yes lord many have seen an old man in white upon a horse passing hither and thither over the plains like wind in the grass. Some thought he was Saruman, 
It is said that he went away ere nightfall towards Isengard. Some say also that Wormtongue was seen earlier, going northward with a company of orcs. So, little horse reference there. And then Theoden, it's interesting, says, like, it'll go ill with Wormtongue yeah. if Gandalf comes upon him. But also says, nonetheless, I miss now both my counselors, the old and the new. Um, like, he knows that Wormtongue, you know, sucks and was lying to him. But he's also, like, suddenly feeling on his own and, like, wishes for advice well and also much more in the books than in the movies the the reality that like for whatever length of time like Wormtongue was a good advisor yeah and so that loss smarts all the more because it's not just that you were like led astray and like and disappointed your people mm -hmm. it's that you were led astray by someone who um yeah because like Wormtongue didn't just like show up as an evil person and infiltrate like he was right warm tongue was like swayed uh uh you know a a rohan per what do you call he was a man of rohan i was gonna say rohanian like... <laughs> yeah um and then like was gradually corrupted himself and thus corrupted theoden is the vibes i got at least yeah. It will never cease to me to be interesting that, like, in these books, this this book cannot, like, make up its mind about whether evil is, like, an inherent intrinsic thing or, like, evil is a series of choices that people yeah. make and actions that people undertake. Yeah. Um, I mean, I do... It but... is interesting, like, our conversation with Molly, I had not really thought about, like, the role metaphor plays... Um, I, I mean, I use metaphor sometimes, but I also really struggle with it in literature at times. I tend to be a pretty literal person in certain ways. And, mm -hmm. um, and so I think part of it is that like Tolkien is using metaphor in terms of like orcish evil in that, like they are the personification of evil, right? Like that's metaphor. And he's also talking about human you know foibles and and how we make choices and battle corruption and things and yeah yeah not saying you know he did those things perfectly but i think that's like that's what's going on there um is that yeah that split i don't know those two different things um but bef but before yeah. that but <laughs> um this is literally the paragraph beforehand. I just think it's nice because it illustrates, like, the kind of the chaos that they were expecting. Like, Theoden, Theoden was expecting, like, one last glorious charge into death. And instead, what they find is, is like, chaos and fear. So a scout rides back in the night and says, We have found many of our folk lying slain as they fled thither, said the scout. And we have met scattered companies going this way and that, leaderless. What has become of Urkenbrand, none seem to know. It is likely that he will be overtaken ere he can reach Helm's Gate, if he has not already perished. So, again, just that feeling of everyone is scattered, there's no communication, no one knows where people are, what the plan yeah. is. Like, it, it really does feel, it is frightening and hopeless very quickly. Yeah. And in a different way than I think Helm's Deep is portrayed in the movies, which, like, in the movies, like, Helm's Deep is just a very 
cut and dry, like we're vastly outnumbered by like a great force, which is, you know, obviously scary, but like this, I think this type of fear is particularly like affecting the like, we cannot face this thing together because everyone is scattered. No one is in communication. Like it's just, it's chaos in a way that like very much isolates Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's even a moment um, coming up in a little bit where, like, you know, Ottergorn and Aomer maybe have been, like, out fighting orcs and then kind of withdraw back into the deep and Legolas is like, where's Mm -hmm. Gimli and where's, oh, maybe, no, it's someone else, but Aomer and Gimli end up, like, no one knows where they are. Um, you know, he and Ottergorn were like fighting side by side and then they get swept apart and they, they are safe, you know, they meet back up later on, but like, yes, yes. But that is, that is, that's, that's Aragorn and Legolas talking about like, have you seen yes, Gimli? Yes, exactly. And, but, and it's the same no. thing of like, oh, now we're split up and we don't even know if they survived or if they're just like lying out there dead under hundreds of orcs. Right. Yeah. yeah it's, um. Lots of sad things. Um, Okay, our next uh, horse reference in the book is somewhere on page 135. It's just like riders, (laughs) uh, the word riders multiple times. Uh, Yes, the king and his riders passed on before the causeway that crossed the stream. They dismounted in a long file. They led their horses up the ramp and passed within the gates of the Hornburg. Is that what you're thinking? Nope. (laughs) Okay. Well, okay, sorry. So they say they say riders a lot because the like the group that we're following right now is the riders. Yeah. It's just it's just them making their way yeah. still oh, towards Oh, there is there is this which is that Artigorn says, "Would that day was here and we might ride down upon them like a storm out of the mountains. It grieves me to fly before them." Yes. Yes, they're talking about how like the the um attacking force is like burning. Yeah things in their in their wake uh, rick caught in tree Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so okay that's when they 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 get to the dike which is the um the thing where they're they're hoping that they can kind of like hold a defensive Mm -hmm. line and this is where we actually meet um gambling in the books so amr like announces their presence um and the sentinel says like hasten the enemy is on your heels everyone rides through the dike this is where we meet Gambling, who is introduced as an old man, the leader of those that watch the dike. Mm. What news of Erkenbrand? Word came yesterday that he was retreating hither with all that is left of the best riders of Westfold, but he has not come. I fear that he will not come now, said Eomer. Our scouts have gained no news of him, and the enemy fills all the valley behind us. Um, yeah, and then we get the king and his riders passed on. Before the causeway that crossed the stream, they dismounted. In a long file, they led their horses up the ramp and passed within the gates of the Hornburg. Um, and then I think there's also, yes, this line. The horses were led far up the deep under such guard as could be spared. Um, which was interesting to me because, like, they're you know they're in a place where fighting on horseback is no longer useful but like the horses are their mm-hmm. whole valuable exactly very valuable. And so like they they put them you know in a cave basically like <laughs> as um i mean right. i don't think they've retreated into the caves yet but like um you know in the hold with some guards because like those horses are their whole 
life and yeah that, that's and like an element of this is like the whole thing for like rohan and the rohirrim is that they are cavalrymen and they're forced into a fight when they cannot use their greatest asset yeah. which is like huh yeah. it's rough uh, yeah. there's also a great Gimli and Legolas moment. Yes. Can I read this? Um, yeah. Do, do you, wanna... you wanna, um, can I read this? Yeah, do you, do you wanna be... I'll be Gimli and then you read I would the love... Legolas. Yeah. That's what I was going to suggest because as we've gone over before, you have a much better Yeah, Gimli although then it made you. me self-conscious and I feel like I lost it, but it's okay. <laughs> no! <laughs> okay, so, so they're, you know, hanging out together, checking things out and, Just chilling. um, this is more to my liking, said the dwarf, stamping on the stones. Ever my heart rises as we draw near the mountains. There is good rock here. This country has tough bones. I felt them in my feet as we came up from the dike. Give me a year and a hundred of my kin, and I would make this a place that armies would break upon like water. I do not doubt it, said Legolas. But you are a dwarf, and dwarfs are strange folk. I do not like this place, and I shall like it no more by the light of day. But you comfort uh, me, Gimli, and I am glad to have you standing nigh with your stout legs and with your hard oh. axe. <laughs> I wish there was more of your kin among us, but even more would I give for a hundred good archers of Mirkwood. We shall need them. Yeah. Um, and then they kind of banter some more, but yeah. uh, it goes from very sweet to very eyeballs emoji. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, fellas, is it gay to ad- to admire your bro's stout legs? Yeah, and his hard ass. Um, it is. Yeah. Yes. Asked and answered. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. Also on that. Oh yeah. Page. Someone says. Oh, Gimli says riding is tiring work. He says, indeed, it is time for sleep. Sleep. I feel the need of it as never. I thought any dwarf could. Riding is tiring work. Yeah. Yeah. Which he which he described not very he's described writing with people as um being as bumping like a sack at someone's saddle bow he's not a fan yeah yeah so now they are waiting inside the keep proper for an attack that they know is coming but they don't exactly know when so there's still that line of defense at the dike and so kind of the next action is that in the night they hear yells and screams and the fierce battle cries of men. And then the rear guard, um, like, streams in, retreating from the dike. Yeah, in fact, they come and... galloping because they are on horses. Um, yes. At least some of them are. And now we are, we're in it yeah. properly. Yeah, basically they say, like, we, you know, we held that point as long as we could and, like, killed a bunch of orcs, but they keep coming and then they sort of retreat, you know, further back um, into Homesteep proper. And then I think, yeah, we have a few, a few pages then, um, before there's another horse. Yeah, reference. this, this battle does not have horses in it really, except for a few distinct points. Yeah. So let's jump back we... to the movie. Yeah, that sounds great. I think the next thing is that we see in the movie, Theoden and company arriving in Helm's Deep. Right. So this is them returning from that fight with the wards. Yes. And like kind of at the beginning of that fight, they were like, Eowyn, you go like with the women and children. So like she's already at Helm's Deep and is helping people get settled. And then they come back in. And of course, Aragorn at this point is like presumed dead. And yeah, there's like a, 
pretty like haunting moment of her realizing that right but before oh, but yes. before that yes, happens sorry. the procession yes. has to actually they ride, in. ride in on horses yeah um Amazing. so it's you know a, a line of people riding in through the main gate presumably they've just like come up the causeway um but we kind of see it from from inside the deep uh interestingly the first person through is Theoden, the king, but not on Snowmane. Yeah, he is riding a different horse. I wonder if we're supposed to assume that Snowmane died in the warg battle. No, because Snowmane is... Is he back on Snowmane in the... I'm pretty sure he's on Snowmane in the charge down the causeway that comes up. Okay. But also, like, the whole thing about Snowmane is he's, like, Theoden's bane because he plays such an important part in Return of the King. Oh... Yeah, so Snowman is yeah. super okay. not dead. I forgot. I, just, yes. He's the king and he's got multiple cool horses. Yes. I mean, you do have to rotate through horses when you're doing a bunch of galloping. So, um, yeah, so he is yes. on a chestnut horse. We were confused by this horse and went back and forth a little bit because, again, the horse has face armor that has, like, a horsehair plume crest a thing yeah. on it i never it's weird because i think of crest as standing up and i think of plume as being like feathery and i don't know what to call like a thing i think i think we have consistently referred to like this specific thing which is like a big hunk of loose flowing horse hair attached to the brow band as a plume as opposed to like the stiff like roman style crest yeah anyways it is laying over the horse's neck in such a way in one scene that it looks very much like a black mane and then i realized through seeing we've been fooled by this tail, on several that occasions. it was in fact a chestnut with some yeah because we also we also had this hair. issue with firefoot the first yes. time that we saw yeah. him although the opposite way because firefoot had a dark mane but a light plume um yep yeah what do you want to call this do we want to go through this mm, let's go through yeah the yeah, group first sure. and then okay. name that's what we um, usually do okay and then uh right behind that horse there's or sort of next to it after it um there's a darker chestnut yep just just a yep. good old-fashioned rohan chestnut yep, yep yep lots of them um and then there's um arid with gimmeleg or legly which is my preferred name yeah <laughs> Um, I think Legly is the, the, like, ship name or whatever. I just like saying Gimmeleg. Yeah. Although, there's also, like, Gimgalas. Gimgalas. Which is nice. That's not bad. Yeah. There's so many possibilities, honestly. Anyways, and that is, we've talked about three different horses. This is back to the this original is, This is Aron. canon. Yes. 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 Not Thick Arod or, what was it? Thick Arod and, what was that third one? I don't know, faux Arod? Striped Arod, because it has it has the, like, weird white... Oh, yeah, that little white... Marking um, on its face. Yeah, yeah, stripe on its nose. Yeah. Yeah, so this is this is original, original flavor. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and then we have a bay with a mm -hmm. left front sock slash half cannon, which just means... A marking that goes kind of like halfway up to its knee and a right front pastern which is a shorter white marking and yeah pastern, pastern is like just below the ankle yes and a right rear pastern it also has a little and, white on its yes, nose yes and white on its nose um yeah after that mm -hmm. there's a bay um with 
it's rider carrying a standard, mm-hmm. which is helpful for keeping track of where people are in shots. It has uh, a right front fetlock or boot, whichever you want to call it. This, this is another like horse yeah, terminology. Yeah, I, I do want to clarify. In previous episodes, we have referred to boots as like a knee-high sock because like one of the resources we found on leg markings said that that was the case but a bunch of other sources I've now looked at say that that's not the case and boots are like interchangeable terms for like a shorter marking so that's all yeah. it made me really mad to discover that I'll be honest but I'm dealing well and it, it's the thing where like kind of one level of marking has like three or four different accepted terms mm-hmm. for the same marking and then some words that are used to describe markings can mean one one marking or a totally separate marking yeah so it's confusing on yeah different levels so we're trying to be more clear in our yes language there because it is very important to me that if you're listening to this podcast that you are able to picture what this horse's <laughs> legs look like yes so right front fetlock and right rear i wrote weird pastern, pastern. and it, so that's yeah yes below the ankle but that one was the like sideways diagonal one right yeah, it's like laterally diagonal. Mm-hmm. So if you look at it like on the left, I think this one goes, if you look at it from, you know, camera right, it starts higher and then um, kind of slopes, slopes down diagonally. Yeah, like inside so, to which outside is not, or outside to inside or whatever. Right, like a more, a, a more common version of that is a heel pastern where that white mark kind of only appears on the back of their leg. Yes. This is not or that. sometimes it like it's, a lateral. it's front and kind of disappears to the back, but it's it's front to back and this is, yeah, yeah. the opposite. Um, yeah, and then uh, number six, I wrote darkish and number seven, I also wrote darkish. Yes. So all of these horses, the shot is them coming through the gateway of the castle, which is thick and dark. Mm -hmm. And so they're very shadowed. And because they're at the tail end of the shot, like the other horses, we can see them better because they ride from the shadow of the gate out into the light. But these horses at the back don't do that. So we can't really get a better. Yeah. And you see them for like such a short amount of time too. Yeah. The shadow facts classic. Oh yeah, we'll talk okay. about that elf now, horse what do we later want to name that we literally horses? see for like a quarter of a second. Just the ghostly butt. Yeah. No, the head. The the head that you just. Oh you know, yeah, 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 yeah. I thought you were talking about the other barely glimpsed horse that we're gonna dedicate too much time oh, to. Oh yeah. But you know, so number one, we have Theoden's chestnut, which like this is the king's horse. This needs a kingly name. King. I don't think you can name the king's horse <laughs> king. <laughs> no, you're probably right. Also, did we name a horse Prince before? I don't remember. We really just need an easily searchable list of all of the horse names. That, Joey, that's literally what the document okay, is. Okay, but <laughs> it is so slow on Google Drive. That's all. Because it's very large. Yeah, but, I mean, um, we are going to have on. to start, like, Control-F searching horse names. I just did a Control-F and there is no Prince. Oh, wow. Well, let's name this Prince. Okay, Prince. Uh, The Chestnut. Yes, the uh, darker chestnut. What if we name this one Ginger Snap? Okay, I'm fine with that. That's especially good because we know this is a fighting horse. Yeah, feisty. Feisty. It's got some zing to it. Mm-hmm. It's spicy, you know? Mm-hmm. Next is Arod, which right. we do All not need to name, name or count. And then the bay with um the three markings. Two. Mm-hmm. Mm, yes, three foot markings and white on its nose. Um, Ch- Charger. I was thinking meadow, which has a very different energy. 
Um, Charger is... Charger Meadow. <laughs> Charger is fine. That's great. Um, how about the bay carrying the standard with the uh, weird sideways pastern is Meadow. Okay, great. And then we have our two darkish horses. Um, what if we name them Pen and Umbra for Penumbra, which is like the, you know, moon shadow? Yeah, I mean, Umbra literally means dark. Right, but Penumbra is specifically... Yeah. Yeah. Either that or we call one of them Moonshadow, which is a great name for a horse, <laughs> I've got to say. That, that's that's, a, that's I mean, Warrior it, Cats it does, horse naming. Right, which is a format we love. Yeah. Okay, so do you want to name one Penumbra and one Moonshadow? Yes, actually. That's great. Okay. Moonshadow, two words, both capitalized. No. Or what? No, sorry. One word. What? That's not how warrior cat names yeah. work. One Ugh. word. I'm sorry. That was deeply embarrassing. Okay. Oh my god. Wait, did you make number six Moonshadow or number seven Moonshadow? Which is which? I named number seven Moonshadow, but we can certainly switch them if you'd prefer. No, that's fine. Okay. So, Prince, Ginger Snap, Charger, Meadow, Penumbra, Moonshadow. Great. Wow. Yeah. So this is at minute marker 202. 1618. <laughs> It helps when we say the numbers at the same time, <laughs> so it's just unintelligible. Sorry, I forgot that your minute marker was going to be different than mine. <laughs> wow. Um, so wait, when when is yours at? When is yours at? Two o two forty nine. Okay, great. And then, so that that procession rides in, and this is the scene that you were talking about with Aowen, and it is like heart wrenching because she sees the procession ride and some well someone someone first calls out make way for the king mm -hmm. and she is busy she's like moving uh, like baskets of food and she like visibly like perks up and like turns around to look for him mm -hmm. and Gimli gets off the horse and walks up to her with you know his face dour and she she knows immediately yeah um and she you know she asks him where is Lord Aragorn and you can just tell like it's awful because even though she's asking the question, she, she like knows ahead of time. <gasps> it does the thing where the audio kind of like fuzzes out a little into that like ringing noise slightly. Mm -hmm. And she just has the most like stricken look. Shocked. Yeah. yeah. Expression on her face. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, it's brutal. Yeah. And then. Oh, I, on a happier note, we yeah. talked about her outfit yeah. a little bit earlier, but we forgot to call out the adorable backpack that she has that's like oh yeah that's like a it's woven like open basket with straps that she's like wearing like a backpack and it's yeah really it's good. it's the it's the it's the like animal crossing backpack. yeah like the foraging yeah 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 she just looks so like resourceful and, and like, like you want to go like mushroom hunting with her in the woods and you know yeah yeah, and again with her little like sh like these little metal pins kind of pinning back the like kind of floofy little wings mm -hmm. of her hair. It's very mm -hmm. good. Um so then right after that scene, we get another very very pulled back shot of Helm's Deep from above and what we can see here is there's a another train of refugees appearing from somewhere in Rohan making making for the cover of Helm's Deep and we see them spread out along the causeway and we think our hypothesis here, and this is this is a hypothesis at yeah. best, because it's just a bunch of little blurry shapes, and we think some of those little blurry shapes are horses. Yeah, in fact, we think there are eight horses, and I will say, like, I counted them just on my own and came up with eight, and then Caitlin looked and counted them and also came up with eight, which 
is mm-hmm. a good sign. Yes, but this is the distinction that we were talking about earlier. Like, we're we're assuming they're horses kind of based on being larger blobs, but, like, we cannot discern no. color or markings in any way here. Not at so all. So we will name these eight as a group. Yes. Um, what do we want to call them? I want to name them something nicer than, you know, refugee procession. Yeah. Um, what if we call them the backpack gang? <laughs> oh, that's... Sure, the backpacking. You know, they're pack horses. Yeah, the backpacking. Uh, that is very cute. And that's that's all the horses that we see in this chunk that are happening at Helm's Deep. Um, the other things happen in flashbacks or, or not here. So do you want to go back to the books a little bit and kind of catch up with the battle? Or do you want to just press forward no, with I the think... movie? Because this stuff is like totally, the stuff does not happen in the book at all. Yeah, let, let's stay with the movie and talk about the other movie stuff. Yeah, Because we good. get to talk about a really, I think, well-known horse among Lord of the Rings fans. A prince among yeah, horses. Yeah, other than Shadowfax. And that horse other than Shadowfax. is Brago. Brago's back! Brago's back, back again. Brago's back, Brago's um, back, Brago's, Brago's back. back. Before we see Brago, we see Aragorn, who is, mm-hmm. surprise, not dead. Ooh, and his shoulder meat. We see yeah, his shoulder but, okay, meat. Okay, before I we hate. see his shoulder meat, though, we see him having a spa day, just floating in the river and then washing up <laughs> yeah, on the shore. What, what did I say when we were it watching? It looks so that, relaxing. Like, well, but also that, like, he's been having such a bad run of it that, like, Floating injured in a river is the best time he's had yeah. on screen. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, he washes up on shore. He is like, he's not doing well. His shoulder is really torn no. up. Um, It's bad looking. And he's lying he's, there. He's like straight up not having a good time, bro. No. But then he has a vision of his love, Arwen. <laughs> yeah. She gives him like a little vision kiss. Yeah. You know? uh, man, I love an elvish vision kiss. <laughs> well... You know what the only thing better than an elvish vision kiss is? Oh, what? Is a is a kiss from a real life horse, which immediately follows and weirdly mirrors the elvish vision kiss. Yeah, we'll post those screenshots. It's very funny. Um, we also have a whole like there's an extended scene here with like Arwen and Elrond talking more about like whether she's gonna go to whether she's gonna leave Middle Earth. Yes, or like stay to the Grey Havens for a man. Did you see the text I sent you earlier about Hugo Weaving playing Elrond? Oh, yeah, about, like, him being like, no, I will not come back for that role. I think everyone's had quite enough. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. It was very funny to me. It, he's not wrong. I'm glad that... I, I, I am... I'm honestly glad for that decision. Yeah. Because I will never... I will never get the vision of, like, kick-flipping Elrond and Gandalf out of my mind from the Hobbit movies. Oh. Flip Wizard McGee. Fuck. I don't even have that yet. It's bad. I'm so blessed because the Hobbit occupies, like, the Hobbit movies occupy no space in my consciousness or memory. Honestly, I, like, I saw each of those movies exactly once in theaters and never again, which is so far, like... Uh, outside of my my normal Lord of the Rings experience, so th- you know there's good stuff. It's mainly bad stuff. We we don't know. We frankly don't have time. No. Anyways, um, 
Okay. So, yes. So, Arwen kisses him, and it is very funny because, like, we have this profile shot of him lying on his back and, like, her face descending in profile and kissing him and then leaving again. And then a horse walks up, and, like, we get another angle first, but then, like, in another minute, we get it's, that, like, that same shot, and then the horse's nose the descends shot, and, like, and nuzzles just... his nose. Yeah, it's just Brego kind of, like, snuffling his face very gently. It's it's, it's very sweet, it is but very it's just sweet. real weird. It's... Juxtapose against that kiss! So funny. Anyways, it's Brego. This is the horse that was freaking out in the stable, and Aragorn, like, whispered to it in Elvish, and then was like, set it free, it's seen enough of war already, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and apparently, whatever fucking irresponsible stable hand set it free did so with, the halter with a on. halter and lead rope on which is yeah just dragon horrific like that is it could get caught on so many things and then like die because it can't get free and then it can't feed itself or do whatever it's a no-no for sure it's bad but brago finds otterborn and obviously remembers otterborn's kindness to him and he kneels down, like, practically lays down beside Ottergorn, and Ottergorn, like, flings an arm over him. Yeah. And and, and the horse stands up and and carries him to Helm's Deep, eventually. Two, two important notes here. One, so he is, Aragorn is still wounded from the battle, and he just, it's just gnarly, like, sh- we keep calling it shoulder meat, because, like, the sh- his shoulder has been injured, and it just looks like ground beef it's terrible to look at Mm -hmm. and number two i realized in this moment as you described it i since the first time i saw this movie as a child have always like i i have clearly carried forward the same interpretation from childhood and never questioned it but i was like brigo went looking for him obviously and not brigo like wandered upon him and helped him like in my mind I guess since, you know, I was like 12 or something when I first saw this movie, I've been like, Brago intentionally sought him out. Yeah. Because of their bond. Yeah. I also just saw something when we were doing our Brago research, someone suggested that Arwen, like, telepathically sends Brago to rescue Ottergorn, but like, Arwen doesn't know that Brago exists, presumably, unless Ottergorn has told her telepathically. Dear Arwen, medical horse today. Sorry about our recent painful breakup. Vision sex dream, and Ottergorn is like, let me tell you about this horse. Oh no, every time, every time that Aragorn has seemed like weirdly spaced out, it's because he's having like vision elf sex with Arwen. Yes. Terrible. You've seen it? He drifts away, and then there she is in her like totally sheer lavender dress or, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. Also, like, you know if they stayed in touch, like, he is absolutely the kind of person who would be like, you'll never believe the horse I met today. (sighs) (laughs) Yeah. So, speaking of what a horse girl Ottergorn is, let's talk about Viggo Mortensen, who it turns out- The biggest horse girl of them all. also kind of a horse girl. Yeah. It's, I think, pretty well known among at least- horse horse girl lord of the rings fans that um vigo mortensen bought the horse that played brago um after filming was done um and we did a little research to give you more more info on that 
Um, what did you find out, Caitlin? Um, I found out one that, and this is the thing I did not know, is that Viggo Mortensen also bought the horse that plays Hasafel, a yes. horse named Kinney, which is very sweet. So I'm looking at, this comes from Brago.net, a very aptly named site, which has been a useful uh, research mm-hmm. source for us in this podcast, which talks a little bit about um, Brago and, and Vigo Mortensen, including some like information on the horse who played Brago, which is a, a Dutch warm blood named Uraeus. The horse, this is from Brago.net. The horse who played Brago in The Two Towers and Return of the King is a Dutch warm-blood stallion named Uraeus. Uraeus was owned and trained by top international trainer Lockie Richards and competed successfully in FEI-level dressage before retiring to sire's sport horses. Uraeus's cushy steed career was interrupted by the filming of Lord of the Rings in his home country of New Zealand. It all happened in five minutes, says Lockie. They rang me and said they wanted a stallion. I told them if they could get him on their truck, they could try him, but that he absolutely won't go on a trailer, and he's only been on my truck in the past ten years. Uraeus went on the truck and worked out well, despite never having been ridden bareback before. Although actor Viggo Mortensen, who played Aragorn, had ridden since childhood, he took riding lessons to learn to properly handle the highly trained stallion. Vigo became attached to Uraeus, and after the movies were finished, he bought him. Although it has been reported, including here on this page, that Uraeus lived in Vigo's ranch in Idaho. In fact, he continued to live in New Zealand at Jane Abbott's farm. Jane Abbott is Arwen's um, riding double from uh, mm-hmm. the uh, like incredible chase scene in Fellowship. Uh, live in New Zealand at Jane Abbott's farm with Kenny, the horse who played Hasafel. Sadly, in 2015, Uraeus passed away. Having been born mm. in 1985, he was just a few months shy of his 30th birthday. And this is, this is a tearjerker. Viggo Mortensen reported his loss on the Percival Press website. A timeless presence in the minds of those who had the honor of... No- honor? Hmm, let's give that one another read. A timeless presence in the minds of those who had the honor of knowing this proud, handsome, and supremely intelligent being, Mighty Uraeus, has finally come to rest on the physical plane. Thank you, Jane and Ray, for helping him do so with dignity. Dearest friend and teacher, I hold you and keep you. I'm not okay? No. Um, wow. I, uh, read various, like, interviews with Vigo and, um, articles about him and, um, his horses. Many of them were focused on Hidalgo, um, which he was in and also kept the main horse from... (laughs) Um, yeah, so Hidalgo, for people who haven't seen it, is a movie about, like, a very, very rugged horse race in the early 19th, early, early 20th century. Yeah. Um, so it's another, like, very horse-heavy movie uh, starring, like, a really, truly beautiful paint horse. Yeah. Named Hidalgo. Um, yeah, he, so here are some, some, uh, a few selected quotes uh, I bought the two horses I rode in Lord of the Rings as well, he reveals. I bought the one in Lord of the Rings because I had, um, I just developed a real good friendship with him. His name is Uraeus. He kind of came into the movie similar to the way I did, you know, didn't have much preparation and was just thrown in and had to swim, basically. And it was rough on him, and it took a while for us to kind of get in sync and for him to be comfortable around the set. So we got to be close, and I wanted to stay in touch with him. 
and, you know, by the end he became almost a real ham. He became so good at it that he was just relaxed and happy. And he says in another quote that it wasn't about, like, possessing Uraeus. It was just about being able to keep in touch with him. Yeah. Um, which is really sweet. And then he said, and then there's another horse named Kenny that I ride in the beginning of the Two Towers. That's Hasafel. Hasafel. Um, He's a chestnut horse. And he was just pretty. And again, it was a situation where we were shooting and they didn't have the right horse. And I said, let me just borrow that one. And I pointed to one of the wranglers who was riding him. <laughs> I just jumped on him, put a Rohan saddle on him, and I rode him that day, immediately on camera. But he was very easy and relaxed, and I just wanted Uraeus to have a buddy. Um, and then he says oh. about Hidalgo that he had no intention of buying a horse off of this movie, but then he, like, couldn't not, um, because of all of the what things. What a horse girl. Also, every, like, behind-the-scenes story that I've heard about Viggo Mortensen that is, like, very on brand for him for like shooting the scene to just like point at a random wrangler's horse and yeah like, i don't know let me ride that yeah, one and exactly. it like works out um, perfectly uh there was a horse trainer um who i think was the the one who did most of the stuff for hidalgo who's quoted as saying you know every actor you work with you ask them so how do you ride and they always say i ride excellently vigo says to me i ride okay he gets on the horse and he rides better than me. I think I'm trying to remember now because I have not fact checked this, but I have floating around in my mind as like an anecdotal story. I'm pretty sure that like when Uraeus first got brought to the set too, um, Viggo Mortensen would like take naps in his stall so the horse could like oh, get yeah, used I've to heard, his presence I faster. Have heard that. And yeah. I'm pretty sure, I feel like I've like seen a picture too of like him in costume, yeah. just like snoozing. Um, yeah in a stall which um, wow he really yeah. is he's he he he's is in like girl the interviews like i try not to like stand celebrities so that's not what i'm doing here i don't right. really want to know more about him because he would probably disappoint me but i will say that he sounds like a genuinely really pleasant like gentle lovely person to be around from these interviews and his love of horses is great yeah, um, didn't you, weren't you also saying that he, he does photography as well, and he has, like, a book? Yeah, he made a photography book called, like, The Horse is Good or something that's all, like, photographs he took on horseback, um, sometimes, like, from his own perspective and sometimes, like, kind of from where the horse's head is, um, <laughs> that is very, very sweet. Um, there was also an interview where he was asked about, like, worrying about being typecast after playing Ottergorn. Mm. And he says, when I played Ottergorn in Lord of the Rings, a lot of people said that it would be difficult for people to see me as other characters, but I'm not going to do anything to try and distance myself from him. He, he, <laughs> he seems like a person who's like very genuinely enthusiastic about the things that he's interested in, which is, I think yeah. in some ways refreshing. Yeah. Yeah. But, as stated, we, we do not stand celebrities in this household, and we also do not know celebrities, despite what parasocial relationships might tell us. Yep. Um, so. Okay, so that's that's. Oh, but there, there is a, there, and there is a Brago wrinkle. Yes, so that's Uraeus and Kenny. But yes, you found out according to Yes, Brago. this is also net. from Brago.net. Hashtag Brago.net, our most reliable... <laughs> horse and Viggo Mortensen news source um that for so for the specific scene when 
the horse like kneels down in order to get Aragorn up onto his back. They used a, a stunt for that scene, which is both like difficult and demanding for the horse and also possibly dangerous for Vigo because even if the horse is not trying to hurt him, it's a big old horse. Mm-hmm. And Brago.net says, we have read elsewhere that a double named Brownie performed this work. We're not sure which horse appears in basically like what photos. Yeah. So we were looking at photos and trying to spot the difference between them. Oh, we also learned, sorry, one last interesting thing about Uraeus because we were comparing these pictures. We noticed mm-hmm. that Brago, Brago has right rear, has right bo- rear. No, mm, both rear socks. Yes. White rear. There we go. Oh, white. Yes. <laughs> Wow. Um, white rear socks, uh, but does not have those markings in front. But pictures of Uraeus from his dressage days um, does have a, a right front sock. And Brago.net mentions that um, they do black out his front sock for the movie. Yeah, either because it was distracting in the close-ups or perhaps to more to closely match, match the double. stunt. Yeah. 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 So we really cannot tell because the face markings are very similar um, and you often can't see the the front of the face when the horse is kneeling down. Um, but I did notice when we were watching that scene, um, Brago, uh, played by Uraeus, has a fairly distinct splotch kind of like right in the center of his nose. Mm-hmm. Um like between his nostrils, right above his upper lip. And that splotch was like very faint slash non-existent in some of those shots of him like rescuing Ottergorn. Right, which Joey noticed before we knew about a stunt double for the scene. So it seems likely that that is Brownie. Yeah, Caitlin tried to convince me that it was just lighting. Um. (laughs) Wow, listen. (laughs) Look, no, I mean, it made sense. We did not know... Like, given what we had heard about, like, Ottergorn buying Brago, there seemed little reason to think that this was a different horse. But now there is reason to think that, so. Yeah. So that's, yeah. that's Brago. He's a good horse. He's a very good horse. He also, really fast, and then we'll move on from Brago. And I'm unsure if this is... um. Uraeus or Brownie, but in the close-up shots specifically, like, where Aragorn is mounting the, like, kneeling horse, um, the, the horse has a really interesting, like, texture to it, to its coat. Like, it seems, like, kind of thicker, curlier hair, which we were debating, like, maybe could be a winter coat, which is just shaggy, shaggier in some places, it's definitely not all the way to like a curly Rex genetic variation, which can yeah. happen in horses, but it is um, noticeable. But we we would have to do a little more poking around to see if that's a Brownie thing or a Uraeus thing. Yeah, I'm not sure. and just we just don't know. Um, that's it. But that's, that's all the Brago notes. That's it. We love Brago. We do love Brago, and there's. And um, Otterborn loves Brago, and Brago loves Otterborn. Yes, and also Vigo loves Uraeus. Yes. It's just love all the way all the way down. So much horse love. Aragorn and Brago ride 
I'm not entirely sure where they're going. Presumably to try and like catch up with the column and along the way they stumble upon the like encroaching orc army and then hightail it to Helm's Deep. Oh yeah, you kind of get them. the like overlook of them. Yeah. Right. And then we also get Aragorn's return to Helm's Deep and his like kind of reunification with Gimli and Legolas and Eowyn. Mm-hmm. And, oh, that incredible moment where he, like, comes through the double doors. Yeah. So I want to mention the Legolas moment in particular yeah. because yeah, it's yeah, so yeah. bitchy and perfect. Oh, yes. Like, it's this yes. big, like, emotional, like, they're seeing each other for the first time. And they're literally, they're doing the thing where they're, like, standing almost nose to nose and just staring at each other. And Legolas, with the tiniest little shitting and grin on his face, says... You look terrible. Yeah. It's just great. Um, I, Caitlin can confirm, I was going a little wild with my shipping headcanons while we watched this <laughs> section Joey's Joey's working hypothesis is that, like, Aragorn has dated pretty much everyone. Yeah, I'm not, like, everyone, but, like, has definitely dated Legolas. Like, I ship Legolas and Gimli 100%, but Aragorn and Legolas, to me, feel like exes who are still really friendly and like Ottergorn is chill with Legolas and Gimli dating and it's it's all good and then when Haldir um yeah you were you were also feeling up, I don't know they just had a moment and it felt like oh like because like, because Aragorn does that like overly enthusiastic hug Yes, I just think that when Ottergorn like you know he's 80, right? He's had some time He's 80 um, yeah, probably just like dated a bunch of elf boys for a while. Yeah, we we did and talk about this that like chill. as you know as the ranger he you know he's kind of like he traveling around. around like <laughs> dated around. Um, we also talked about it like we were talking about that like reconciling that with his kind of like ongoing love with Arwen and. I think the thing that I compared it to was, like, the, like, rom-com TV show where, like, everyone knows these characters are going to end up together in five seasons. Right. Like, but in the, the meantime, they friend, date Their friends and the people around people. them, like, yeah. the depths of their, like, relationship and their care for each other is, like, clear to the people around them. And so, like, no one begrudges them that they, you know, takes them a while to, like, work up to it and they, they both, like, see other people and it's fine. Yeah. I mean, I am also like pro polyamory, but I don't, I don't know. I haven't really thought about like whether there's like the text sort of allows that. Well, this is the issue is that like polyamory explanation works, except then why doesn't he get with Eowyn also? That's, that's the major thing. And, yeah, no. And I, that's, I, yeah, that's when that. We're obviously not like, in. we're obviously not like anti-polyamory. It, feels like within the context of this story, like the characters are not. No, we'll talk when we get to Sam and Frodo and Rosie, we'll have a Mm. conversation about polyamory because I think there might be a little, I think Sam's relationships with both of them, like that's the most. Yeah. 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 No, no. But like talking specifically about the like Arwen, Eowyn. Yeah. Dynamic. Yeah. I don't get poly vibes from any of no. them um and awen is like watching this exchange with just like no one does the kind of like tremulous hopeful beauty like miranda otto like 
she's watch she watches his return and that's also when Legolas returns the even star to Aragorn and then we get a flashback yes to Arwen I guess not a not, flash no, not a back, flashback like a f- just a uh Meanwhile, flash. Meanwhile, meanwhile, (laughs) this is what's happening to Arwen, which is that she and a procession of other elves are leaving Rivendell for the. We we got hung up on the continuity here, but leaving for the last boat to go to the Grey Havens. Yeah, we just don't know if it's actually the last boat because, like, why isn't Elrond leaving then? And maybe he's Galadriel to stay. To yeah, I. I don't know. It's not it's not that interesting or that important, so no. we shan't we won't fall into the same hole twice. Nope. Um <laughs> I but, love so, falling into the same hole twice. I love familiarity. <laughs> that's literally that's what we're doing here. Um Shadow Facts, Shadow Facts colon, falling into the same hole not twice but many times repeatedly. Yeah, let's talk about Seal Brown again. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so there's an elf procession. Yes. And we see some more some elf, horses. elf horses. Yeah. Wow. Do you want to describe our first elf horse or the first scene? Because there's multiple horses in it. Yes. Okay. One, we have a whitish horse who... <laughs> that, that's all the elf horses, baby. Yeah, they're all just whitish, gray dapples, light gray dapples, whatever. Um, It is wearing a bridle with like kind of a crisscross like x-shaped noseband um mm-hmm. and it has a bony face that's what i wrote yes it also has um all the horses that we see are pack horses they're being led not ridden and this one in particular has kind of um it has like a bulky pack there's like yeah. stuff piled it's on its not back. super bulky all of these horses are like as far as pack well, horses it's, go. It's bulky for an elf. Right, relatively streamlined, but for an elf bulky, there's like actual, yeah, stuff on it. Right, and um, it's being led by an elf on its left. Yes, and then um, kind of parallel to it, like they're, they're, you see them coming toward us, right? And one is mm-hmm. on the left, two is on the right, but then two actually comes forward a little faster. So two, the one on the right, is also... A white-ish horse. You'll never believe it. It has a bridle with no noseband. Um, it does have mm-hmm. the brow band, but not a noseband. Um, and it... It has a red blanket. Yes, it has a red blanket and a gray little muzzle, which we don't yeah. really see in this shot, but we do see in a in another few seconds. Yeah, and interestingly, it's being led by an elf on its right. Yes. So the elves are sort of on the inside and the horses are on the outside. Which I was taught that you always lead a horse from the left. Yeah, from the horse's left. Yes. Yeah. Um, um, I will say, like, you said they're all pack horses. The horse, this horse with the red blanket, I think that might just be like a, it could be ridden, but it's not being ridden currently. Like that blanket looks like a, like maybe like a bareback, like saddle pad. Cloth saddle, Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it's one of those, um, it's it's an interesting cut because it is not just over the body of the horse, it has that rounded end, so it, like, goes around the horse's rump. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yes. Hmm. Interesting. Okay, um, and then we see the second horse again for, like, 
such a short amount of time. I would have missed it, except that at some point when I was like, go back 10 seconds, I landed exactly on that screen. And then, and then, and then I could not it recreate it to. intentionally for like, it yeah. took me so long. Um, anyways, yeah. where you just see its head and you see its little gray muzzle. Um, but it is like with no, there nose and band. Done, with no nose band. Yeah. Um, and then you yep. see the white one the again. Or, the yes. white one does not help here. I right. I meant number one, which starts with a W sound, which is why. Yeah, totally. I said white. <laughs> um, you kind of see the front half of it from the side, like in profile. Um. Yep. Um, and, and then, then we see a different horse, a third horse, which is less white. Yeah, it does appear to be more of a... Like, it's still a gray dapple, but, like, it's a darker gray dapple. Yeah, and with, with, a, with a, a, a bolder dapple pattern, like, it's more dappled and less, like, flea-bitten, like some of the other... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And its tail kind of starts dark and then turns silver. Yeah. But you only see its butt. Yeah, and it's not, it's not there very long. No. Um, okay, so we have three three elf horses to name here yes and i actually have a name recommendation i um earlier when we were like setting up i was kind of idly flipping through my languages of tolkien's middle earth uh and just happened to land on one that seems perfect which is nifridel a pale point the pale flowers which bloomed when luthien was born and which also grew in lorien which is from nifred pallor and dill points so a horse with pale points or a pale flower which is perfect for um either of these little white horses wow um maybe the one with not the gray muzzle yeah i was gonna say number one the one with the bony face um let's name that one nifredel isn't that cute yeah nifredel um i'm on a different elvish language website and i was trying to like find you know, the glossary, but I have in fact instead found like, here's how to fucking learn Cinderin. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Which is exciting, but not what I need right now. Right. Um, okay. This is kind of funny because of the, se- okay. So uh, my suggestion is Braniolinol. <laughs> Braniolinol. <laughs> um, or, or bro- Broniolinol. Um, it it means it's just the words for enduring and singing stuck together, um, but oh. it feels really suitable for like like they're going yeah. over the sea so that they stay immortal and live forever and the yeah. elves love to sing and the so enduring it feels, song yeah yes I really like um, that here okay I'll, I'll will you type spell it, it for me yeah I'm gonna just type it in our... no will you will you also read it aloud because it's an audio medium yes. It is B R O N I O L. And then I can't decide if there should be a second L. I don't think so. Just one L and then I N N O L. Great. Broniolinol. Brony, for short. Mm. That was not intentional. Sure. Uh huh. I believe it. Okay, and lastly, 
Oh, do you want that for the um the other white horse with the red blanket yeah, or for the I, darker gray? Um hmm. Do we have a word an elvish word for red in there? Let me take a look. Q R S. Yes, um for Cinderin it's car or Karan and for Quenya it's carne. Um okay. Uh red I mean, Rocco is one of the horse words, so it could just be Caraco. Caraco. Yeah. Which, I mean, it's not literally a red horse, it's a white horse, but. Yeah. The other option. There's also a different, there's a different word for golden red. Oh, what's that? Also, have we, do you, what's the word for shadow and have we used it yet? Um, golden red is cull, C-U-L. Shadow. (laughs) Oh, Interesting. Okay, there's so many words for shadow. Mm, okay. Uh, for shadow in Cinderin, it's oth or day or guath or wath or weth. For heavy shadow in Quinya is lumbule, which is lum- lumbule, L-U-M-B-U-L-E, which mm. is actually heavy shadow is kind of perfect for that like gray dappley horse. Or in shadows cast by light is more chaint. M-O-R-C-H-I-N-T. I kind of like either um, Morchaint or Lumbul by themselves. Yeah, I think we should call that darker one Lumbul, and then we'll call number two the absurd name I came up with, Broniolinol. <laughs> Perfect. Okay, so so we have Nifredel, Broniolinol, and Lumbul. Broniolinol is really <laughs> satisfying. <laughs> it sounds like an Italian dessert. Yeah. Okay. Great. Um, and we also see, so like this, you know, caravan is leaving and Arwen like looks back over. Oh, Arwen also has a great cloak with an incredible, like the point of the hood comes to a V on her forehead. Yeah. Like, neat, instead like of being straight cut. Right. And it's not like it's pointed on her forehead. It's the opposite of that. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then it. she looks back at her father for presumably the last time, and he is just making the most, like... Grim face. It, it's so dour. <laughs> and wow. that's it. Then pretty much everything else that happens in the film is the Battle of Helm's Deep. Well... With the exception of um, what might be, like, one of my favorite Boromir scenes. Yeah. Um, we'll talk about this later but we've been talking of late about like trans faramir and this scene really drills into that one yeah um so this is more time passes in the film stuff happens there are also like ent scenes happening here a little bit just mary and pippin being impatient i will say there's also sam and frodo stuff happening yes and and i will say like mary exhibits some real like fire here because he's like yo like this is important and then there's that scene where, like, they basically give up. Like, Mary and Pippin are like, okay, yeah, we'll go home. Um, yeah. Oh, and God. And it's yeah. sad. They're sad. And then Pippin is like, wait, what if you take us this route? And he gives Treebeard some bullshit reason, but it's actually because he wants Treebeard to see the way Saruman What's happening is, at Isengard. Right, the destruction of Saruman so that Treebeard will get angry and actually decide to act. And and the I like the closer we are to danger, get... the farther we'll be from harm. He says yes. in this like little pip and patter. It's very yes. good. But I like 
we talked in a previous episode about like Pippin and Mary's resourcefulness in escaping the orcs and like their cleverness and everything. And we get just like a tiny hint of that here. It really is. It's a great moment from Pippin. This is also when we get one of Mary's, I think, best lines, which is he's arguing with the Ents about like whether or not they are involved in this conflict. Mm. And Mary finally kind of loses his temper and boils over and says, but you're part of this world, which damn. And also there's, uh, b- before the scene that you just described with like Pippin's clever ruse, Treebeard says to them, like, your part in the story is over. Mm-hmm. And Pippin says, you know, at least we can go home to the Shire. We still have the Shire. And Mary says, what does Mary say? He says, like, it, some something along the lines of like, it'll come to the Shire too. Which yeah. is really the first time that that danger has been explicitly acknowledged in the story yeah yeah and it's i mean we're not there in the book or movie yet but it is a significant difference between the book and movie is that at the end after the ring is destroyed when they go back to the shire in the book um saruman fled there and has been like doing nasty shit and yeah, have and to... like, guess what? The Shire was not magically exempt from this, like, world-spanning conflict right. all along. Right, and they have to, like, deal with that. Whereas in the movie, they go back and it's like they never left. Like, everything is just exactly the same. And I understand, like, you want the big climax in a movie and then, like, a, a short and happy denouement, but we lose some stuff there. Yeah, you know, interestingly, I feel like that's a way that my opinion has changed changed like in the past i've been very pro excluding that because it feels like this is a movie that already has like four false cadenzas like at Mm -hmm. the end like you know the joke about return of the kings is it's a movie it's a movie that's all endings um and so i was like we don't need that but i feel you know we're, we're not there yet but i suspect i will feel very differently this time yeah um anyways so this this boromir scene yeah actually um I, I just want to say, like, we we have talked in our first few episodes, I think we were doing a pretty good job of, like, justifying our conversations about things other than horses. And <laughs> we have the pretense we really has abandoned dropped. that. But I do just want to say, as, like, a blanket statement, horses are gay and liking horses are gay. And anytime we talk about gay moments, it, it, it's also gay. That's... <laughs> My justification. And, and, and therefore, by the transitive property, is horse-related. Yes. Because horses are also gay. Yep. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Great. That's definitely how logic works. Um, yeah. Which we, yeah. I mean, we, if you've taken away anything from this podcast, hopefully it's that you can trust us about science and math. I mean, concepts. I did actually take, like, a, a legit logic class in college because I was part philosophy major. Yeah, yeah, but... yeah, so did I because I was a linguistics major. And guess what, reader? I failed that fucking class. <laughs> I didn't fail mine. I've just forgotten most of it. Oh, yeah, me too. That's also what happened with me. Anyways, Boromir. Um, Boromir uh... <laughs> and Faramir. Yeah, Boromir wins a big fight in the city of, like, Osgiliath, and so we kind of come in with him giving his victory speech to, like, the cheering Gondorian soldiers. Yes. Um, And then it's, like, a kind of a rare moment of triumph for Gondor and in this movie. 
And then Boromir has a conversation with his brother Faramir. Yeah, and Faramir is like, good speech, good job keeping it short. It's a very sweet moment, and then they see that Denethor is coming. Yeah, there's lots of brotherly banter, and the tone is like very much like one of love and support, and then the yeah. entire thing ices over when Denethor arrives. Not just Faramir, but like Boromir, who like has his little fucking tankard of ale or whatever, is like, can he not give us one moment of peace? And he sounds, I mean, it, presumably he just fought a battle where he like killed people and was fighting for his life, yeah. and he sounds so upset at the sight of his father yeah but then also like it's interesting because it feels like he protects faramir there like he goes to talk to denethor and like put a like puts a happy face on you know and yes and then goes out of his way to praise yeah yes and and to say you know denethor says this this victory belongs to you boromir and boromir is like and also to faramir and Denethor immediately starts in on him. And Faramir is, like, visibly um, on the edge of tears. Yeah, and it's so... Oh, I hate it. I mean, it's so, like, just thinking about trans-Faramir and, and then... I mean, it's already, like, Denethor sucks. And then with this, it's just so much more... And the way, like, Boromir calls him little brother and is, like, obviously supportive. And then... Denethor, it, it's not like Denethor, you know, is misgendering him, but it's so apparent that, like, Faramir has failed him in every way possible, you know, in his mind, including in gender. Right, yeah, yeah. And this is where um the line, like, Faramir, uh, so Denethor is there because he has just been given the summons to the Council of Elrond and is asking Boromir to go and represent Gondor and specifically asks him to acquire the ring so the scene like informs so much of like what is going on in Boromir's mind and the like relationship of these brothers which we have not seen on screen at all and why you know yeah uh, yeah it, it, like, well really and, and fills in a lot I mean, of the gaps there in context this is happening because Faramir has like captured Frodo and Sam and is sort of yes be- like is making the decision to like bring the ring to Gondor or release them, and so now we see like all of this background. Right. So so in this this scene is is genuinely a flashback. Um, you know, Boromir still mm-hmm. still around, and Denethor makes like this really cutting remark about like it being an opportunity for Faramir to prove his quality. Uh, to show to show his quality, and then later when Faramir ultimately decides to take Frodo and Sam uh, and the Ring to Gondor, he repeats the line to himself like he's in a dream. Like this is clearly something that was said to him that like burrowed into his psyche. You know? Yeah. It's really um, painful. Yeah. And then yeah. Boromir and Faramir share what is to be their last goodbye. Boromir says to him, remember this day, little brother, Uh, and rides off. Yes. Yeah, it stings on a variety of levels. Yes. Yes. And he rides off on a horse, (laughs) um, which was the subject of more intense discussion. This horse. It's always exciting when in the course of the podcast, we learn a new horse word, which we did here. Yes. Um, this horse initially looked like a bay, like you just see the top of like its kind of neck and head just barely. And then you see a more zoomed out shot, but only the back of it. But that like brown bay color goes like 
all the way to cream underneath. Like the way... Yeah, like along the way... Along the back of its legs and along its underside. Yes, kind of the way like we've talked about the areas on a seal brown that go to more like golden reddish on this horse that is all like cream. Um, And we were like, what is this horse color? Um, And then Caitlin discovered or remembered the term pangaree. Oh, just this discovered. This this is new to me. We're not yeah. we're not entirely sure on the pronunciation yeah, here. Yeah, it could be pangaree. I suspect it's pangaree. Uh, it's p a n g a r e with an accent. Yes. And it's it's more commonly seen in like fjord horses and some other breeds um or like if you think about certain like gazelles and antelopes it's very much like that coloring Mm -hmm. you can imagine adding a couple little black stripes on the leg and it's like very like gazelle that's an okapi yeah exactly (sighs) yeah um interestingly it's also called um the this like coat variation is sometimes called mealy which seems mean yeah rude it's beautiful um it is we were trying to figure out if this is the same horse that Boromir arrived on in Rivendell. In Fellowship. Right, in right. in Wh- Fellowship. Which we named that horse Hubris, and we only see it very briefly and only from the front. It is a bay. It has that, you know, that same brown color with um, a darker mane. And we really, we really watched that scene several times, and you cannot see the back of it. Yes, um, and so you cannot based tell. Based on how the lightning happens, we're not convinced that you would necessarily be able to see it from that angle. Yes, but the tack it wears is consistent. Yes. Um, it has yes. like a strip of fabric that kind of goes around its Alongside chest. But instead of, yeah, it's like, it's like it attaches to the sides of the saddle, but instead of being just like a chest piece... It like attaches under the horse's chin and then hangs like under each rein. It's like bunt. It's like bunting for the horse. Yeah, and it's it's kind of patterned on one side. It's white with some blue on the on the other side. It looks more black and white. Um, and has like a little bit of a fringy quality. Um, although not completely. And you can see it in both the flashback scene and the Rivendell arrival scene. So. We cannot confirm whether this is the same horse actor. We can confirm mm-hmm. that it is in, it is intended to be the same horse. It's canonically horse. Yes, it's hubris. canonically hubris. Um, also, the other notable thing about this horse is that its tail is yeah. like blunt cut at the end. So it's still long, but instead of kind of layering out um, naturally at the end, it's like cut straight across. Straight cropped. Yeah, which is weird aesthetically because we don't see that. I don't think we see that on any other horses not, in Lord of the Rings, so even far. the horses that are like military. Like, and that's that's very much like a thing I associate with like U.S. Civil War like cavalry troops. Mm-hmm. Like, it just yeah, it looks a little out of place to my eye. I am curious. I don't know if we ever see like other Gondor horses, but I'm curious to see if it's like a 
consistently Gondor thing. Oh, yeah, that will be interesting. Because it might be something they were trying to do to, like, distinguish. Oh, we definitely see more Gondor horses because there's, like, the whole charge and return of the... We will see more. Okay, Okay. so that's something Um, we'll look out for in the future. Yeah, yeah, totally. But we will be sure to post pictures of this horse because it's it's a really cool... It's a really cool marking. It also has, like, black points in the back, and so that, like cream dilution into the black points is really striking and cool yeah um Um, and i can take screenshots now because i learned (laughs) yeah i learned some magic called use a different browser um (laughs) uh yes we really really don't have the technological smarts to do a podcast yes like like, there is no way that i am posting a screen cap of every horse we discuss but these horses that we like have more in-depth discussions about we will um be posting a little more more screen yeah. caps of those it is also worth noting that the um the like official art of boromir's horse which still isn't named anywhere but like you know weta does miniatures and like in like official artwork which is not photographs but like mm-hmm. artwork of the horse it is a solid bay throughout without that kind of color which is you know that's not like the hard and fast rule of canon but like we do use that a lot because it's like what is the essence of the horse in the minds of the mm-hmm. uh, the designer yeah so and that's the last this is the last horse in this section of the movie wow. we decided to stop part way through i have written down in my notes next gondor but like gone g-o-n-e oh that's because i said where was Gondor when the Westfold fell? Gone door. Oh, door. Wow, great. Uh, <laughs> Just, um, you know, making pointless jokes. Making jokes. Puns. But we, so we, we stopped at, for me, minute marker 123.43, uh, which is the end of, I can't remember the name of the chapter but it's, um, it's when in the movie, the, but it's... The elves come to the edge of the forest. They've decided to, like... The ants. Move. Yeah. Did I... You said the elves. Oh, whoops. The ants. <laughs> yeah. The ants, and, like, they're about to, like, move out for real. Yes, I think actually the chapter is called The Last March of the Ents, maybe. That's possible. I don't know, because I don't have chapters on mine. So I do, I just want to talk about this moment with Gimli and Aragorn and my Mm headcanons, and then we can move to our next vow. Um, So there's this moment where orcs are, you know, on some causeway or gangway or whatever, and, and Aragorn and Gimli are like on another one and kind of looking at them. And Aragorn is maybe going to be able to jump across, but Gimli cannot. And Gimli is like, throw me. And Aragorn looks a little unsure. And Gimli at some point says, like, just don't tell the elf. Um, Like after explaining, like, he's like, I can't make it myself. Like, like, I need your help. Like, I don't remember what what the exact words are. But to me, it like, given my like headcanon about Legolas previously dating Aragorn and now dating Gimli to me it's this very sweet moment between like the new boyfriend and the old boyfriend and the new boyfriend has to sort of like humble himself and ask for the old boyfriend's help and because Aragorn is like a sweet and lovely person he like keeps Gimli's trust and like honors Mm -hmm. his desire to like you know maintain his pride with Legolas and I just love it it's just good (laughs) Yeah. 
Yeah, we, um, it, it's weird. I feel like there's so much of this movie stuff that we're not, that we're not talking about because the, the Battle of Helm's Deep is full of so many, like, little moments. Like, in particular, we were talking about, like, how fucking scary siege warfare is and, like, the, the big, like, mechanized siege ladders oh, yeah. that the orcs use. Or, like, the there's a particular emphasis on the fact that they, like, draft children to fight. Like, there's that whole yeah. montage of them going through the caves and, like, pulling, pulling, like, young boys out of the arms of their parents. Yeah. And then, like, I... arming them. Yeah. And then you... Which feels like... <sighs> I have really mixed I feelings about it. On the one hand, it's... it's, like, the horrors of war, right? But, like... Right. It that's not something that's in the book and I don't I don't know I don't know what it's doing there. Especially the like it's not just that they're accepting like fourteen year old boys who are like, Yeah, I'm ready to fight. They are like tearing boys like from their like the, their mothers. Yeah, there there's there's kids who appear to be like nine or ten. And like crying and like who don't want to leave their parents and and Yeah, it's fucked up. I, but we don't ever, like, Rohan isn't, like, characterized that way generally as being, like, I don't know, like, militaristic in a really, yeah. I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know well, what to do with that. This, yeah, so, you know, they, they ling they, like, really, really wallow in that in the run-up to the battle, and then, obviously, during the battle, you don't see that. Which is good. No, like, you I don't see, see the kids a couple times, but you don't screens. see them experiencing violence, which I, um, yeah. Yeah, but I, it feels like, I don't, I don't think that's a statement about Rohan and, like, how it valorizes war or, like, places people in danger. I think that is, like, old PJ trying to, like, to make a point about how, like, like how desperate they are. Hopeless and desperate they are. Which I understand, but I feel like they build that tension and fear in better and less cheap ways than like a montage of like kids with swords. Yeah. Um I think the best iteration of that that they do is like out of the montage. Um Aragorn is like so Aragorn and Legolas have that like whole fight about like Legolas insisting that it's hopeless and they're like arguing in Elvish. Yeah, again, and, like they're the obviously ex-boyfriends. Right, and the whole crowd, like, dims to silence um, beneath, like, you know, like, around them as they're having this fight. And Legolas says, knock a dog of fire! Like, they're all gonna die. And and Aragorn, like, bellows out, then I shall die as one of them! And it's so tense and silent, and he just kind of storms off. And, like, yeah, uh, I don't know why that moment in particular is devastating, but... But so, okay, so a better version of the, like, oh, like, things are so fucked up, we're, like, arming children, is after that fight, Aragorn is sitting on the steps of the keep, and there's, like, a young kid who is kind of hefting his sword, like, clearly unused to it, and Aragorn tries to cheer him up, uh, and it's revealed to be the son of Hama, who was just killed in the warg battle. Yeah. And I feel like that was a more... I, I don't think that they needed to, like, illustrate children in warfare to, like, show that that the situation is bad, but that does feel like a better iteration of it, I guess. Yeah. Especially, like, the, with the, like, uh, the 
racial politics of like orcs in Tolkien's world, like the montage that really lingers on like the little like blonde children facing the like orc threat. It just it feels it doesn't it doesn't feel good, and it feels yeah. like it undercuts some of the um the narrative tension that they have like otherwise effectively built. Yeah. Oh, like there's the like. It, and it really does do it well. Like, I think I'm remembering your reaction to watching. So, like, when the orc army, like, actually marches up to the wall, there's just horrible, like, silence that falls in everything. And with the two sides, like, essentially staring at each other, it starts to rain. The first round of archers, like, draw their bows and are supposed to hold. And we see an older man who is, like, struggling against the draw weight of his bow. And in, like, the, like, horrible silence like accidentally loses his arrow and it's just this like really palpable moment of like oh god oh god oh god yeah yeah and then haldir haldir and the elves are there yeah they march in and i mean that is that is like a moment of hope right because like Mm -hmm. the elvish archers show up and there's like some unity and solidarity there like, and, and that's oh, like also an that, that, that we was, thought was not an originally ally. supposed to be Arwen and not Haldir. <gasps> they robbed us. Yeah, and they like filmed some of it and <gasps> decided not to go with that. Which probably because um, it complicated the Arwen Ottergorn storyline. Yeah, or maybe I'm just because sh- sh- they hate women. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Phil- like Philippa and Fram, the two um, adapters, talk about. Right. Why they decided, yeah, not to do it, which is basically like the whole tension between like Aragorn and Arwen doesn't work if they're in the same place, and they just didn't feel like it was the right move characterization wise. But um, oh my god, who is the actress? Liv Lily. Tyler. Liv Tyler. Thank you. I I'm thinking of Angeline Lily for some oh, reason. Okay. Um, probably from the Hobbit movie. Liv Tyler, like in the behind the scenes. Talk, like talks about it and you can just like hear the frustration leaking out of her <laughs> yeah so she Haldir and Eowyn could have become friends there shield maidens if you know what I mean uh. <laughs> <laughs> just gals being uh, shield maidens just gal pals just sh- just shield friends you know mm-hmm. fuck um, um hmm. gotta write that fic anyways um, yeah, so there's, a, a lot happens. I feel like we'll probably talk about Helm's Deep more in depth next time. There's just, there's so much of it. There's also the scene that I always liked, which is King Theoden, like, incredibly backlit, um, having his armor put on by gambling and, like, reciting the poem, Where Now the Horse and Rider. Oh, yeah. You yeah. pointed out PJ's love of, like, very, very dramatic backlighting. Um, yes. Yeah. Where they're, like, the edges of people's hair and bodies just disappear into the light around them. Okay. Okay. We're we're getting hung up on other things that other people and also Gollum. in their podcasts can talk about. We are not. We're talking about horses. Horses only. And that's it. That's, that's it. Well, no. I'm sorry. Hold on. We do have, like... Two more important horse references in the book, and then we yes, can I, be yes, done with our first Yes, I was going to get to the... Which is the the charge. Mm, no, not yet. Um, on page 141 for me, uh, it says... Already some, as in some orcs, 
had passed into the jaws of the deep and were among the horses, among the horses fighting, fighting with, with the, the guards. guards. So, like, yeah. yeah, those horses that they're trying to protect are, like, being threatened. And then... Yeah. And th- that is that is after the, the wall has been breached by an explosive. Yes. And then is the charge. Um... Oh, God, yeah, and you, oh, fuck, we have to, the explosive, you were, like, really on your bullshit with, like, sad, um, sad headcanons because we were talking about Saruman's explosives and you were talking about Gandalf, (laughs) Gandalf and Saruman when they were together making fireworks and now, like, after their bitter, horrible breakup that lasted, like, hundreds of years because they're both, like, Mm -hmm. fucking angel wizards or whatever, like, now he uses that to make... Horrible bombs. Because there is this yeah. moment, like, he's he's looking out from his tower or whatever, and Grima is, like, beside him, and, and Saruman gets kind of impatient with him, and I was just like, he's remembering, like, how good at this stuff Gandalf was, and wishing mm-hmm. secretly that Gandalf were beside him and not fucking Grima. Even though he knows there's no way in hell, like, Gandalf would be doing what Saruman is doing. Yeah, and he has a brief moment of self-loathing, probably, but then quash. Yeah, and there's also, there's also that, like, so many moments of realization there, because that's also, like, Grima, who is very much, like, comedic effect, now that he's run back to Saruman, like, there's a great moment where he's leaning over the bomb with a candle to be like, what is this, my lord? And Saruman, like, grabs his hand and is like, you need to step back. But also, they walk out onto that like balcony high up the mm-hmm. tower and they see the army outside and it you can see Grima in the background looks like oh yeah completely stunned and there's a single tear rolling down his eye yes. and that that is interesting because it's the thing we talked about like in the book like Grima was not always a traitor like that was a change that happened yeah and it's that moment of realization that like he understood what he was doing I don't want to like undercut his betrayal but like that's a moment of, like, truly awful yeah. realization for him of, yeah. like, what the ends are of what he's been working to. Yeah, it hits him in a whole new way. Rohan was his home. <sighs> oh, And yeah. he's participated in its destruction. Yes. So, Theoden says, I fret in this prison. If I could have set a spear in rest, riding before my men upon the field, maybe I could have felt again the joy of battle, and so ended but I serve little purpose here. And then... Here at least you are guarded in the strongest fastness of the mark, said Aragorn. More hope we have to defend you in the Hornsburg than in Edoras, or even at Dunharrow in the mountains. Yeah, there's some more, um, but then... The oh, king... I thought we were no, doing like a no, back and forth. We're board. not doing the whole thing. I'm sorry. <laughs> no! <laughs> we, we gotta like move forward. Um, but I will not end here, taken like an old badger in a trap. Snowmane and Hasufel and the horses of my guard are in the inner court, when dawn comes, I will bid men sound Helm's horn, and I will ride forth. Will you ride with me then, son of Arathorn? Maybe we shall cleave a road, or make such an end as will be worth a song, if any be left to sing of us hereafter. Fuck. Um, we will make such an end. Yeah. And then when that actually happens, a page later, and with that shout the king came. His horse was white as snow, golden was a shield, and his spear was long. At his right hand was Aragorn, Elendil's heir. Behind him rode the lords of the house of Errol the Young. Light sprang in the sky. Night departed. Forth Erlingas, with a cry and a great noise they charged. 
Down from the gates they roared, over the causeway they swept, and they drove through the hosts of Isengard as a wind among the grass. Yeah, it's great. And they, I mean, they just like ride through. And then obviously we're not here in the film yet, but they get out of the gate and like to the sort of the point in the dike that they had previously held and then lost. Shafts of the sun flared above the eastern hills and glimmered on their spears, but they sat silent on their horses and they gazed down upon the deeping comb. The land had changed. Where before the green dale had lain, its grassy slopes lapping the ever-mounting hills, there now a forest loomed. Great trees, bare and silent, stood, rank on rank, with tangled bough and hoary head. Their twisted roots were buried in the long green grass. Um, and the orcs, like, stream down and, and end up in the woods and disappearing eventually and also Gandalf shows up (laughs) yeah and then even better news there suddenly upon a ridge appeared a wider uh, uh, (sighs) (laughs) you're struggling today it's we're right all or it's rear you know what never mind yep there suddenly upon a ridge appeared a rider clad in white shining in the rising sun you know never mind anyways Gandalf (laughs) appears it's With a thousand great. men, because and Urken Brand. he found Urken Brand, and they're there, and they sweep down, and they chase the orcs into the wood, like a- Into the horrible woods. Wailing, they passed under the waiting shadow of the trees, and from that shadow, none ever came again. <laughs> Fuck. Trees are scary, actually. They are. Um, this, the moving forest, I- I've been thinking about this lately. I wonder if Tolkien got the idea for the Ents from Macbeth. Yes, they talk about this explicitly. Oh, do they? Because because yes, because because Tolkien thought Tolkien thought that line was literal and not metaphorical. Yeah, I was gonna say like I feel like Tolkien like read or watched Macbeth and was like, okay, but what if the real trees actually moved? And then it all sprang from there because this image feels like this scene feels extremely Macbeth to me. Yes, that is his, his like explicit inspiration for this. Do you have the line off the top of your head? The Macbeth line? Yeah, you. I mean, you've seen the type. No. Okay, that's that's fine. Um, I've seen Macbeth a couple times, but I have never read it or been in it, so I don't like have you know. The script isn't yeah. in my head in that way. Yeah. But yeah. And that's, that's it. Oh, and sorry, I didn't read this line, but when Gandalf kind of charges, it says, down leapt Shadowfax like a deer that runs sure-footed in the mountains. What a great horse. A king. Yeah. Followed by the white rider was upon them, which is so scary. Yeah. Terrifying. Okay. Okay. That's it. We did it. Books and movies. Horses all. Yeah. What, who was your favorite horse today? Did we need to count them first? Oh, yes. Okay, so in summation, we have Honeycake, Brave, Gourmet, Liver, Shrimp, Truffle, Bull, Baguette, Onions, Stroganoff, Parsley, Fond, Prince, Ginger Snap, Charger, Meadow, Penumbra, Moonshadow, The Backpack Gang, Nifredel, Bro- oh no, it's gone from my mind. Broniolinol. Broniolinol, thank you. Broniolinol, Moonbool, and um, with 
appearances by um, Arod, Garoth, McGillowin, and Hubris. And Brago. So. Oh, and Brago, duh. Uh, so, in total, three, eight, six, eight, three. That's a, oh, wow. That is a perfect numerical palindrome. That's very wow. satisfying. Uh, 28 horses. Wow. Bringing our running total to 240 horses. Nice. Beautiful. Okay, now favorites. Yeah. Um, hmm. Literally half of these are horses we can, like, barely see. <laughs> it's true. Um, I do really like seeing the back half of Hubris for the first time with that, like, Pangare or Pangare or Pangare yeah. Um, yeah. coat marking, which is just really unique, and I don't feel like I've seen it before. Name-wise, I really like Nifredel. Mm, yeah, that's good. Um, Brago is my favorite. I know this is yeah, not Brago. our first time Brago. seeing him, and I don't remember if I've declared him my favorite before, but I love Brago. I feel like that scene encapsulates something that, like, everyone, every horse girl, like, wants in their heart, which is, like, the horse that, like, chooses yes. them in that way. Yes, and, like, the horse that is bonded to you and intelligent enough to, like, fucking rescue you. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And Joey, Joey has just placed both hands in the air and is raising them towards I'm the sky. Having horse feelings. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, Name-wise, I've got to say I love Gourmet. I didn't care at all about Gourmet, gourmet before really we named Gourmet, but now I love them. Gourmet, uh, uh, an inexplicable horse with an inexplicable name. Yeah. You love to see it. Yeah. Wow. That's our second oath. Um, our, That's our second oath. Our third oath is that we will rewrite one of Tolkien's songs oh. per episode. Um, hey, Joey. What? Uh, you remember how we were originally supposed to do this chapter in the last section? Uh-huh. Um, and so there's not actually any songs in this chapter. Yeah. I can't believe Tolkien wrote a whole chapter without any songs in it. <laughs> I know. What was he thinking? Doesn't he know it's his out of brand? character. <laughs> out of character. His Urken brand. Um, <laughs> what are we gonna do? What is it like? <laughs> um, what if we, what if we foray into original poetry? Oh, like not. We can't write like a Tolkien length style yeah. or length no. poem. But no, what no, if no, we wrote no. like four four bars about a horse? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, look, I do share three initials with JRRT. Um, and I think that means that... Yeah, the T. <laughs> the J-R-R. You can have the T from the middle of my name to, like, round it out. <laughs> Great. I guess you have T's of your own. Yeah. I take it back. You can't have mine. Okay. I was really confused for a second and trying to think if you had a middle name that started with T, and then I realized that you just meant the T, like, in Caitlin. Yeah. <laughs> um... <laughs> We're Caitlin. We're, we're beyond the pale. Theodore. Here. That's ooh. It's my new uh proposal. I is feel that like you take Theodore as a uh, an additional middle name. I feel like if I had a middle name that started with a T, it would be Trundle. <laughs> 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 now you get to pick a middle name that starts with a T. Uh oh, you could be Tobiano for horses. Oh yeah. I, okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know, it's inappropriate of me to suggest name. It's your middle name. <laughs> I was just caught up. Um. Anyways, I'm just saying 
I'm basically Tolkien and I can write a song. Oh no, the podcast has gotten to them. <laughs> All right, let's go. Let's go. Okay. What let, let's choose like where in this chapter would this song be? I just have I just I've just had an idea about the format of the poem. Mhm. What if we use as the first line of the poem like a f- mimetic format, which I know we are both fond of, which is they're like, oh, to be, and it's something about horses. Oh, yeah, I do like that. The other thought I had is what if we write like the beginning of like a ballad about Draco and Aragorn? I feel like it's tough to write. That's very thematic, and I love it. You could also be Joey thematic. Um, that's your radio DJ name. <laughs> Joey Thematic. <laughs> Writing that down. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm into it. I feel like knowing us will be biting off more than we can chew. Okay. What if, what if we combine them? Oh, to be Brigo and Aragorn. Or like, oh, like, oh, to be, oh, uh, oh. A horse girl beloved by their horse. Wait, oh, to be the friend of a horse like Brago. Oh, to be the friend of a horse like Brago. What rhymes with Brago? Say go. Don't, hmm. I mean, plenty of words rhyme with go. Go, right. But the other thing is that we could do, like, oh, to be the friend of a horse like him. And then the second line, like, starts with Brago. So we like imply, you know, um, Oh, to be the friend of a horse like him, that very kingly steed. Hmm. Something, something come to you in need. Very, I, can I say gentle instead of kingly? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was playing with the like, Brago, your name is kingly. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I had forgotten about that line. Um, that very kingly steed, um, Uh, did you throw out a last line already? Something, the thing that feels natural to me to rhyme with steed is in need. Something about, like, the horse coming to, yeah. like, because um, that's, like, the whole thing. Also, I've just thought about what rhymes with Brego, which is Tom Bombadillo. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Horrible. Oh, to be, uh, oh, to be. Gentle. What rhymes with him? Slim. Flim. Slam. <laughs> Simlish, whim, whim. Oh, yes. On a whim, whim. Uh huh. Shim, Tim. Shout out to Tim. Dim, uh. Limb with the silent B. Yes. Um, either arm or Grim. tree. Um, <laughs> yes. Grim, grim and trim. Grim, trim. Okay. Um, whim. Okay. Oh, to be the friend of a horse like him, that very kingly steed. Noble, gentle, long of limb, Brago's there in times of need. <laughs> wow. Oh, that's, this is sweet and also sad because I feel like in some way we are mirroring Vigo Morton's eulogy for the horse that Aww. played Brago. Yeah. Although really I can't write anything comparable to that. Yeah. What was it? Hold him and keep him? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, perfect. Just one perfect little stanza. A perfect little nugget of a song. Here, I'm going to put it in the chat real quick so that you can put it 
in the spreadsheet or wherever I'm assuming we're keeping a record of these songs. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, only seven episodes in for us to completely overhaul a vow for our own convenience. <laughs> and lastly, questions. Yeah, we have a couple. Um, one of them was in the form of a tweet and was not an officially submitted question, but I'm considering it one. Do you remember what that question is? It's from Emma. Yes. It was under a picture of Eowyn and Arwen. Are they in love? Answer, yes. Next question. I mean, it, it, um, it no, specifically I said, don't rem- what if they were in love? <sighs> it would be really good. Yeah. What's your, like, ideal canon compliant and also AU, like, meeting scenarios for... Eowyn and Arwen. Mm, I mean, I think, hmm. Oh, okay. So you know how, like, the forest of Lothlorien, like, you come out of Lothlorien and you're basically, like, in Rohan, right? Mm -hmm. What if, like, when they were, you know, teenagers, young women, I mean, they're still sort of young women. Arwen is old, but she looks young. Um, Eowyn was, you know, like, lonely and depressed and she would go on like longer and longer rides and like started exploring and maybe like wandered into the forest where Arwen was living and they started having like secret little edge of the woods meetings and like the first time it was on accident and then they kind of it kept happening and then it became yeah planful like they were both secretly hoping that the other would be there yeah that's very exactly And, um, yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of AUs, there is a line that I forgot to mention where Tolkien shortens the word vanguard to van. Yeah, I saw that. And it's funny because it says Aragorn and Legolas went now with Aemer in the van. <laughs> and <laughs> I just had this sudden image of like them, I don't know, being like, on tour like like a band on tour or road tripping or something but like in a van and i mean th- so that is noel stevenson like a decade ago probably more than a decade ago on tumblr like the first thing that they kind of got like known mm-hmm. for was this lord of the rings uh comic they did which was pretty much that like the rohirrim were like a motorcycle gang and the fellowship oh, were like yeah. college kids in a van yeah well, there you go. It's great. I'm just reinventing um, the wheel over here. Um, but I can listen, imagine... Good, good okay, ideas are good in ideas. In that AU, though, mm-hmm. Arwen and Eowyn are like the discontented girlfriends of shitty band guys. Yes. Who meet each other and realize that life can be different. Oh my god, they start... They're, like, their shitty band boyfriends like don't let them write songs or yes. tell them their songs aren't yes. very good and, and they then... have this tender moment where they share their songs yes. with each other and like find validation mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then become a like musical a duo? girl punk band yeah yeah um that is delicious yeah i canon wise i'm thinking about when eowyn winds up in the house of the healing mm-hmm. after the big battle mm-hmm. and is very frustrated and like in the story that's like where she meets Faramir and they um Eowyn is like I want to be a healer but I think there's another version of that where like Arwen is not particularly like healing prone other than that like she is an elf and has been around in times of crisis 
but I do think there is an interesting version of Eowyn and Arwen encountering each other in the aftermath of that battle when Eowyn is especially broken and feeling so frustrated with what she perceives to be her own limitations, and she and Arwen, like, bond over that. Yeah. And Arwen helps her, like, see through some of that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I'm, I'm really digging, like, pop-punk Arwen Eowyn band. Yeah. I also like Also, oh my them god, as... they give each other queer haircuts. Yes. Like, yes. Uh-huh. Like, I don't know if they both end up with short hair, but at least they give each other undercuts, if not more. And, of course, before it was like, you know how men are about women's hair and wanting it to be long and it's bad. Eowyn plays bass. Yeah. Yeah. I can also, there's also a version of it which is like, Eowyn and Arwen on the, like, collegiate fencing team and, like, um, Arwen is, like, the cool, aloof upperclassman who Eowyn is, like, and, like, the sportsman got, Ar- like, Eowyn is like, well, this person is my rival and I have to impress them. Mm-hmm. I think it turns out that Arwen is just really shy, though. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> wow. Good question. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um. Oh, God, we didn't even touch on, like, I mean, so this is, we'll, we'll talk about this more later, but, like, I, we, I mentioned in passing Eowyn and Faramir, which, like, doesn't, I don't know if that's, like, a satisfying, like, canon relationship for me, but there's definitely some, like, recognizing, like, gender feelings in each other like both of them listening to better son or daughter yeah definitely yeah i think it's i'm very curious to see what like how i feel about that ao and faramir relationship because like i like faramir i just can i can i take a swing at how you'll feel about it (laughs) yeah probably meh yeah it's fine it's not like ew gross it's just it's fine yeah yeah I don't think it's going to excite me in the movie. I'm curious to see how it's written in the book. It's worse. In the, it's worse in the book. Okay. I mean, I know. <laughs> it's not actually. Worse. I know. It's, Ao like, it's like the Eowyn... lines about Aowen are bad. I just, I, I just, I'm just curious. That's all. Yeah. I'm not totally. Hopeful. Totally. I'm not. And, and I'm just the, curious. I, I was just very unsatisfied as a younger person. Like their relationship was very like tied in my younger mind to like Aowen being like. I was wrong about wanting to be a warrior and I actually want to be a healer and I yeah. was very fiercely independent and now I love this Yeah, dude. no, I that's bullshit. What other questions do we have? Well, this is interesting because we have a question. We have another question from Cal and the subject line of this email is, I would like to apologize in advance for this question. May it find you well. Um, and then... <laughs> And then the question is, hi, what is your horse Sona? Thanks, Cal. And then a second email that says, really fulfilling my role as enemy of the pod here. However, <laughs> in our last episode, Emma emailed us. We, we did answer And we already answered it. It's just that sonas. that episode isn't out yet. And so, so no one released. knows. So, um, yeah. Um, so I guess refer to our last episode. And if you have any additional horse Sonas, um, now's the time. If I were a horse in middle... I, well, I guess you already did this. You were like, I want to be the horse that, like, Eowyn learned to... Yeah. Um, I, I, what I was going to say is, if I were a horse in Middle-earth, I would want to be the one that, like, Eowyn, like, lovingly, like, brushes and braids my mane. Oh, yeah. Currently, I'm feeling very shyry. And so I yeah. want to be... I want to be a shire horse. I want to be um a horse that does... A little bit of like, like I pull the cart to market each week, you know? Yeah, I, I, there's no, there's no, like, you don't plow the fields, but you do trundle around with like a little cart with vegetables. Yeah, in it. and 
a few times a year when there's like a fun festival then like the hobbit children of my family like braid ribbons and flowers in my mane and then they put like tiny children on me at the fair and i give them very gentle walk around rides oh um you read black beauty yeah. right back in the day so at some point i don't remember exactly yeah, where in there me he meets an yeah listen um uh he meets an awful little pony who this is like when he's on living on one of the richer estates and the whole the little pony's whole thing is that he loves to buck off the <laughs> terrible spoiled little children who ride him i want to be that pony yeah yeah um because of black beauty because of the way that he's like ruined that like like he's ridden really hard yeah. and then the the stable boy like gives him cold water or whatever whenever yeah and he gets sick yes, since i read that book Whenever, like, my dog has, like, gone on, like, a really hot walk, I am always, like, gotta give the dog lukewarm water. Gotta give the dog lukewarm water. Yeah, I mean, I think part of that... But it's just, it is, like, seared into my head. No, I know. Yeah, um, I I think that's a horse thing because the interior workings of a horse are like absolute goddamn nonsense. Yeah. Like I we were talking about this before the pod. I learned today a thing I did not know is that horses need to be ambulatory for their circulatory system to work properly, and that is part that is like part of why it is, um, like so dangerous and often fatal if a horse founders is not because. Like, I had always heard that in, like, relation to their guts. Like, it, it's about them, like, colicking and the danger of, like, twisting up their intestines. Uh, but no, it's like their fucking circulatory system will not circulate properly. If, if they, Like, walking is an integral part of, of that process. Yeah. Wild. Yeah. Um, so I guess that's all our questions. Is that all our yeah, questions? We, we don't have build... any DMs, right, that I forgot? No, that's it. Great. Wow. Uh, I guess... That's all. It was I. I've got to be honest. Today's episode felt a little dark. I mean, we're at a we're at a dark part of the story. I, know. I mean, there were, were there was some good story. stuff. Um, you know, I'm really enjoying watching these films now because literally I have not watched them since I became aware of the possibility of everything being gay. Yeah. And it's which wow. is why I'm like going wild with it because I just have not. I have this is the first time I'm doing that. Right. So that's exciting. It is, yeah. But it is exciting. yeah, lots of lots of heavy battles, etc. And there's more of it next time, so uh, stay tuned. Yay! <laughs> In the meantime, I'll be thinking about Arwen and Eowyn gathering mushrooms together yeah. with Eowyn's little wicker backpack. That that picture we tweeted of them from together on set. Sigh. Mm. So cute. Thank you for listening. The music you heard at the beginning was Horse by Horse, arranged and performed by us, Caitlin and Joey. You can listen to it again at soundcloud.com shadowfactspod. The cover art was made by Annie Johnston Glick at DancyNuru on Twitter. I'm Caitlin. My pronouns are she, they, and you can follow me on Twitter at Behold. You can follow the show at shadowfactspod and email your horse-related LOTR questions to shadowfactspod at gmail.com. Again, that is shadowfacts, F-A-C-T-S. Joining me on this journey there and back again is... Joey. My pronouns are they, them, and you can follow me on Twitter at JoeyThePrince. If you want to read and watch along, check the episode description for the segment we'll cover next time. This has been Shadow Facts. Shadow Facts.
One horse to rule them all. Ha, 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 ha.